0: Good morning, everyone. Good to be back with you again. As the old saying goes, it's good to go, but it's good to be home with those that you're familiar with or more familiar with and enjoy worshiping together. I'd like for you to take your Bibles, and I certainly hope that you brought your Bible this morning. I still believe in the congregation following along, making sure that the minister reads it right, comments are biblically sound, but unless you can see it before your eyes, there are some things that you will miss. Second Chronicles, the 12th chapter. 2nd Chronicles, the 12th chapter. In this verse, we find the title to our remarks. 2nd Chronicles 12 and verse verse 9. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. Now notice now, and he took all. He took all. The title of my thoughts this morning is Dismantling a King, a Nation. Dismantling a nation. We read in the Bible, not just once but several times, how that a nation would overcome another nation, would declare war. But so many times the purpose was of personal gain. As they would overcome, they would go in and take anything. Of value, home with them. And as I read those thoughts and I pondered about them, I could not help but make a contrast with our war with Satan today. Just as the victors. Would go in and overcome and dismantle. Satan comes into our lives and he has various ways of overcoming. And once he overcomes, he dismantles, he he takes from us that which we possessed before. many times we have seen especially when uh, well I had it right on the tip of my tongue what's a special Olympics the, the Olympics and how they compete one with another and the one that goes home with the gold Not every time, but many times he holds up his hand, number one, number one, referring to the country that he came from was number one. We've seen it with our own young athletics, uh, uh, those who participate, they hold up their finger, number one. Yes, we're number one. We're number one in divorce. We're number one in teen suicide. We're number one in pornography. We're number one in homosexuality. And we're number one in abortion. Why? because Satan has overcome and he has taken from the human race in this country the values that they once possessed. It's certainly nothing to brag about to be number one as far as the spiritual things that has been taken from The human race in this country. And our freedom has not been taken from us, brethren, because of terrorists. It's been taken from us because of ignorance of the scriptures, it's been taken from us because of apathy within the church. And it's been taken from us because of complacency. Oh, it saddens me to see, to hear rather various remarks made in the church. The church whom we should be leaders and we're not. We're followers. We should be leading the world as far as knowledge of scripture is concerned but when you hear remarks that goes against the scriptures it at least it bothers me and i'm sure it does you also but it's prophesied in the scriptures (laughs) it's prophesied that they go from place to place searching for the word people hear of a good speaker over here he has the gift of ority speech and so they travel to listen. But yet he's not preaching the truth. The feeling of apathy as taken was prophesied. Paul wrote Timothy that in the last days these things will come to pass. And it's nothing but Apathy. Just not concern that much about it. Things that are important. Oh, well, God, it, it's not all that important. They're good Christians. They're doing their best. But a lot of things has been taken from the from God's people. But before you can make a change in a person's life, certain things must be taken from him. First of all, we'd like to mention their identity has has to be taken from them. Now, what is the identity that we're going to speak about? Well, it's going to take a few scriptures before we get to it? But nevertheless, turn to Psalms 11th chapter. Psalms 11th chapter. David, uh, I believe he's the one I did not specifically check as to who, who wrote this chapter, not chapter, but this psalm. Because various individuals wrote them. Psalms 11th chapter and verses two and three. For lo, the wicked bend their bow; they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. Now notice the upright in heart. But notice also, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? David is reminding us to be careful to preserve our foundation. That which we have built upon. Be careful that that is not Chipped away. And these things that has been taken from God's people, brethren, has not happened overnight. Has not happened overnight. It takes time to chip away at the foundation. And then for a while, we do not preserve it, protect it. If we do not from time to time see how it's been chipped away and repair it the spiritual house begins to crumble begins to crumble david is very conscious of the importance of our foundation that we have built upon If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I know that it is hard to constantly be on guard. And we're living in a time when Satan knows that he has but a short time for him to continue his destruction. And so he's working, as we would say today, over time to destroy as many as he possibly can. But first of all, he has to destroy that foundation that God has given us. Turn to Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and verse 18. Christ is talking to Peter here. He said, I say unto thee, thou art Peter. Now Peter's name means a little pebble. Thou art Peter, a little pebble. And upon this rock. Now he's not referring to Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know the Catholic Church uses this verse here to say that that Peter was the first pope. The church has been built upon him. But Christ is not referring to Peter. He's only a little pebble. He says upon this rock, this big boulder, Christ said, I'm going to build my church. Now I know there's a difference of opinion as to who he was referring to. There are some who say he was referring to himself. I don't have too much disagreement with that. I just have a different feeling. Christ said when He was here, "I can do nothing, but my Father willeth it." You'll go back to the old scriptures, especially Psalms. David said, "Upon thee, O my Rock," refer the Creator, the God of heaven and earth, that He was the Rock that David. Dependent upon. I know there's a verse where it says that Christ is the chief cornerstone. Everything has to line up. With that cornerstone. But yet Christ could do nothing without the father giving him. The authority. The ability. The power. To do it. And God has given us all the the essential things necessary for us to build our spiritual house. And the most important thing to that spiritual house is the foundation. And that foundation must remain firm and true. But yet, I made the remark before Satan, one of the things that he needs to do, and he realizes that, is to destroy our identity. We're getting close to it, but yet there's another verse where I want to turn to, first of all. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Paul here is writing to Timothy, his adopted son in the Lord. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12. I'm I'm in 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12, Paul told Timothy, says, Let no man despise thy youth. Paul was concerned about people saying, well, he's just a young man. He doesn't know too much. And age today has its... Good points. I can say that. I remember that. When one first goes into the ministry, let's use a phrase from college, from high school. If someone disagrees with you, they'll always, I shouldn't say always, but age comes into the discussion. You're just a young man. You're learning. And so Paul is telling Timothy here, remember what I've taught you and don't let anyone use that against you because of your age, let no man despise thy youth but he goes on he gives you some good admonition here he says be thou an example of the believers as I said now getting back to my thought for Satan to destroy he must destroy our identity And Paul is telling Timothy, be thou an example of the believers. When people observe you when they look at you that they will by your actions and your inner actions with others can determine what the church of God is like. They'll look at you and when they learn where you go to church they judge the whole church brethren by you and I. They assume that the whole church is like you. Be thou an example of the believers. And he tells them, tells Timothy, where? In word. Make sure what scriptures you use and how you use them. And we could apply it, as we said in our Sabbath school lesson today, was brought up, our language. What kind of a language do we use as we talk to people? Because that's the way they're going to judge the rest of the church of God. (laughs) In conversation, And I've told you so many times the word conversation does not mean when I talk to you or you talk to me. The word conversation in scripture means our way of life, our conduct. That we make sure that our conduct is an example of the church because people are watching us. And if we lose our identity, the church loses its identity because the people are watching us in charity, love and compassion that we show in our lives. Many times for those who are less fortunate than we are how, how our feelings toward them. I'm reminded so many times the words that Paul used one time when he perhaps looked upon someone when he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We only have what we have because God has given it to us. We only are what we are through the help of the Holy Spirit. And we show it through love and compassion. In spirit, what kind of a spirit do we have? Are we showing that we're possessed with the Holy Spirit? In faith. (laughs) How strong is our faith in his word that he's spoken to us? When things start to go bad, do we just crumble and fall away in purity? How do we what kind of an example are we as far as purity is concerned in the various habits of life? Because people look at us and they see the identity of the church. They look at us and they form an identity as to who we are. (laughs) Oh, that's embarrassing. I'm sorry. Exodus 31. Exodus 31. And the 13th verse. God told Moses here, he said, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. Notice. For it is a sign between me and you. Throughout your generations, It's somewhat of a surprise when we read this because we would think that when we accept Christ into our lives, that that would be the sign. But no, God says, My Sabbath is going to be a sign that you are my children. Why do you think that the Catholic Church went to such great lengths and pains to destroy the Sabbath? And brethren, that did not happen overnight. It really took at least a hundred years for them to say, really say, we've been victorious. But they had to do away with that Sabbath for the people to go along with their teaching and the teaching of idolatry. I've mentioned to you once before, and I'll mention again. And I can't think of, I can't remember who it was. I can just remember our conversation. A man called me on the phone, and he was so joyous, so joyous, that he had come into the understanding of the Sabbath, of the commandments. But my point is, he told me, Brother Walker, when I came into the knowledge of the Sabbath, it just seemed that everything opened up to me as far as understandings, other scriptures of the Bible. I could not see before the when I died, I didn't go to heaven. but when I, when the Sabbath opened up to me, that also came into line with the scriptures. I, mean, I understood that when I died, I didn't go to heaven. He said I always believed that the wicked burned in a fire throughout eternity for their transgressions. But when I came into the knowledge of the Sabbath I understood there's no such thing as the eternal fire from the standpoint it just continues to burn. Yes, there is a verse that says they were destroyed with eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by eternal fire, but they're not burning today. It means that nothing was able to put out the fire until it accomplished what God wanted it to accomplish. But the Catholic Church, when they was able to destroy the people's foundation, they had to get had to destroy that identity. That identity. They had to dismantle that spiritual relationship that they had with the Father, and the easiest way was to get rid of the sign. Get rid of the sign. In Acts, the 11th chapter, in Acts, the 11th chapter, there's a verse here that we all know about. It's nothing new to us, but I still want to refresh our memory. Acts, the 11th chapter and the 26th verse is referring to Paul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto An- to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Did you ever stop and think that this is the only scripture in the Bible where the word Christian is used? In the beginning, it was used in a derogatory way. It was not used in a in what adjective I could use today. In other words, everyone wants to be considered a Christian. It's, It's a nice word. It's it's a nice reflection. But when this was used it was not used in a nice way. It was used in a derogatory. All their followers are that man called Christ. Christians, after the one that they followed. (coughs) And I'm sorry, brethren. It's used so many times out of context today. Out of context. Man today feels all that he has to do and accept the Lord as his Savior, receive the grace of God into his life, and he's got it made. He's got it made. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But let us stop and consider this man that they're saying they're following. He didn't keep Sunday. He didn't teach that when they died, they went to heaven. He didn't teach that his father was going to punish the wicked throughout eternity. Malachi tells us that the wicked will be ashes under our feet. Yes. If Satan's going to dismantle our spirituality, our spiritual relationship with the Lord, he has to cause and destroy our identity. Our identity the other thing that he has to destroy dismantle is our integrity our integrity turn to Proverbs 14 Proverbs the 14th chapter and the 34th verse righteousness exalteth a nation But sin is a reproach to any people. Sin is a reproach. The word reproach means shame, disgrace. Sin still has the same connotation attached to it today something shameful if we're caught stealing we might have enjoyed it for a while because we thought we were getting away with it but then we're caught and oh the shame that it brings upon the individual they're never trusted from then on people always say he's a thief He is, has he's become disgrace, disgraceful. So their integrity has to be taken away. No longer will people listen to them. This has happened time and time again down through history. One of the instances in Judges, the 21st chapter. Judges, the 21st chapter. The generation has come. And it tells us in Judges, the 21st chapter and the 25th verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Why? Because they did not have a spiritual leader. You go back and make a study of the kings. When the king was righteous, the nation of Israel was righteous. When the king was was evil, the people went into idolatry. But since they had no leader, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And most generally, that's not right. that's not right that's why that the church today is important that the church's leaders stay with the scriptures I'm afraid brethren that there's a lot of church leaders today, not just in our own church, but outside of the church, or not just outside of the church, but within the church, going to have some things to give an account for someday. It's not that important that the Sabbath be callious. Yes, we should. But I believe those people are going to make it. They're so sincere. If that is true, brethren, then why am I standing in the pulpit and teaching something else? Why am I so concerned if they're going to make it? As I said, well, the Sabbath... That's not very necessary. Let's take one of the others. If the Sabbath is the fourth one is not necessary, thou shalt not kill. Is that necessary? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Is that necessary? I would assume, brethren, if the fourth is so important then the rest are important. It's not me that's saying it. It is God that is saying it. Obey if you love me. Obedience, brethren, is a part of that foundation. Along with faith and so forth. Let's not allow Satan to dismantle us. The last thought that I wanted to present for Satan to dismantle the spiritual nation of God (laughs) he must get the children he must get the children our time has passed and I'm not going to bring so many scriptures for this one But I like to close with Judges the second chapter. Judges the second chapter. Here God is talking to Israel. Judges the second chapter. And verse 10 and also all that generation were gathered together unto their fathers <clears throat> in going back well to the 7th verse you notice that Joshua is the leader Joshua was leading them in the right way but when we come to verse 10 it says also all that generation that generation were gathered into their fathers in other other words they died died off and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel When he delivered Israel from bondage, all the miraculous signs, the uh, miracles that God performed to deliver them. They had passed them on from generation to generation. But I get the picture, each generation I got weaker and weaker and weaker. Joshua was the only one left who reminded Israel of God's greatness. And there rose up a generation that knew not God. Let me remind you of some statistics that I've given to you in the past. First of all, the the scripture that tells us that children are an heritage of us, of the fathers, mothers. (laughs) Parents have a great responsibility. And I'm sure that when I married my wife, I really didn't realize the responsibility that was going to be laid at my feet i did realize the responsibility of, of providing for her but i didn't think too much about the children until they came along <clears throat> It is up to us to keep God alive. Foremost in the minds of our children. The statistics that I was going to again speak to you about was the statistics and this, I didn't make them up, it came out in a magazine. The Lutheran Church When their children graduated from high school, they lost 80% of them, 80% when they went off to college. The Assembly of God, when their young people graduated from high school, went off to college, they lost 60% of their young people. Brethren, I don't know how it is with the Church of God, but I rather think it's no different. It's no different. When they get out of the household, from away from mother and dad, I'm talking about normally now. I'm not talking about every instance, thank God. But normally they just forget, forget about the spiritual training. Satan uses that to dismantle the church. Because the church is who the people are. So as I was reading about the nations. Overcoming and destroying other nations, and going in and taking from them the spoils, I could not hate, could not think, could not help but think of the parallel in our spiritual lives. Satan wants to destroy our identity. He wants to destroy our integrity. And he wants to destroy our young people. Not that he doesn't want to destroy the rest of us, but he knows if he gets the young people, that's the generation that will be taking care of the church. I hope that I've presented some thoughts that will cause us to think of the seriousness of life as we pass through it. God bless.